1: Hey, guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for being here on this Wednesday. We got a lot to get to. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Check me out on social media. My Instagram is at Monica Crowley underscore, and on Twitter and Truth Social at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show. Let me know what's on your mind. I see all of the emails. I read them all, and I'm always so happy to hear from you. The email address is monicacrowleypodcast at gmail.com, monicacrowleypodcast at gmail.com, and we will get to some of your emails at the end of the show. Okay, as I said, a lot to get to today. Today, I want to deal with the outrageous rhinos selling us out I want to talk about the Uvalde cop's disgrace. We also are going to have a great chat with the phenomenal pollster and political strategist, Doug Schoen. Doug will be here. He's one of my dear friends, and he's one of the most brilliant people that I know. He's also one of the last moderate Democrats standing. It's basically Doug and Manchin and cinema. And that's about it. We're going to talk to him about where we are in the country, what's ahead for both parties and for the midterms. And as I said, we're going to get to your great emails at the end of the show as well. First up, though, the Monica memo. And I'm not quite sure where to start because we've had two major outrages come at us in the last 24 hours. Also, by the way, we are on SCOTUS Watch Uh, The Supreme Court is set to release a bunch of really big decisions. They have 12 decisions left, uh, and they are scheduled to release some tomorrow. But there's also word, from what we're hearing, there is word that the big ones on guns— and on abortion on Roe v. Wade, that those decisions may not come until next week, perhaps next Monday or Tuesday. So we are watching the Supreme Court carefully, and of course, we are gonna cover these big decisions that have huge impact and they're of huge consequence. So sit tight as we move ahead on the show. The next couple of days will be all over that. But the the two big things that struck me over the last uh, 24 hours is, uh, first of all, we've got this story coming out of the Republican Senate, GOP Senate. Of course, it's a 50-50 Senate. And when I say Republican Senate, I mean the losers who are sitting in the U.S. Senate who decided to sell us out on guns. And then a related thing, which is we're getting more and more details now about the Uvalde, Texas school shooting where the gunman went in, uh, barricaded himself, but went into the classroom and shot all of these children. We had multiple, multiple children dead. We had a couple of teachers dead. And we're getting details about that investigation, about what actually went down that day. Now, keep in mind, the only reason we're even talking about this new gun legislation is because of the mass shooting in Texas in combination with the mass shooting in Buffalo, New York, which happened the week before. So it created all of this political pressure. And now you've got this gun bill uh, coming out of the Senate with the assistance of 14 Republicans. Okay, so let's take a step back. We had two mass shootings, horrific and tragic, We've got incredibly impactful gun laws on the books across this country, including in New York State, where one of these two mass shootings took place. Very strong gun laws, many, many gun laws, many of which are not enforced. That's what nobody tells you, right? They don't enforce these gun laws, and then they wonder why things are happening, and then they rush to pass more gun laws. You see how it's a vicious cycle? This is what they do. But you had the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, the week before you had that shooting in a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. So you had those two things back to back, and it created this momentum. You know, politicians always like to look like they're doing something, and I understand the emotional uh, momentum to say, you know, these are horrible tragedies, and of course we'd love to do everything we can to stop them. But nobody ever talks about, number one, the nature of evil, and that evil exists. Since the dawn of of mankind, evil has existed. You know, the snake in the garden, okay? So it it will always be with us, and you're never going to stop this. You're never going to stop murder, unfortunately. It is a very dark part of life, but since Cain and Abel, the first murder, it will always be here. As horrible and horrific and disgusting as it is, it is a fact of life, unfortunately. And so, and you're always going to have the mentally ill, you're always going to have the criminally insane, you're always going to have just nuts that want to act out in a violent way. You're always going to have that but you're you're in this environment in the United States now where you know politicians just love to show their constituents that they're doing something even if it's completely meaningless maybe especially if it's completely meaningless because they can virtue signal all day long oh look at me I'm over here doing gun control see I'm I'm being a productive member of congress or the state house or whatever You can count on me. Vote for me again. Send me more money. They can do that. And, you know, there is a lot of emotional push behind this, and I understand that too. Politicians react to situations, and they react to political pressure, and they react to emotional appeals as well. And a lot of people were saying, you know, the murder of children is a particularly disgusting and heinous act. So I do understand where the emotional part of this is coming from. And I also understand Democrats, of course, they're gun grabbers all day long because they want to disarm us. This is not about gun control. This is not about having a safer community or a safer country or all of the nonsense that they give us all day long on this. This is about disarming law-abiding citizens so that they have better leverage over us and better control and ultimately power. So we all know what this is really all about. You understand that coming from the left, coming from the Democrats, we get that. We understand it. This is who they are. This is what they're all about. This is what their intentions are. Disarm the country, and then we've got a full-on left-wing tyranny. That's their objective. So we get it when it's coming from their side. But when it's coming from our side... When the call is coming from within the house, as the horror movies go, um, that to me is completely outrageous, disgusting, and revolting. I've told you guys since day one on this podcast that I would hold the rhinos, Republicans in name only, I would hold them as accountable, as the Democrat communists, which we talk about every day on this show, because they're wreaking so much havoc, doing so much destruction and damage. But the handmaidens on the so-called right in the so-called Republican Party who helped them inflict that damage, oh, no, no, no. No, that we cannot understand and that we cannot accept. This behavior is unacceptable. Remember I told you early on when I first launched this podcast, I told you a little story about President Nixon who said to me, I have more respect for a true believing communist than I do for an American Democrat. Because at least the true believing communist will tell you exactly what they believe and exactly what they intend to do. Whereas the American Democrat won't do that. They will dress it all up. They'll cloak it. They will pull the wool over your eyes. So now the American Democrats are basically communists, so they will sort of do the same thing. They'll tell you, this is what we believe. Now, a lot of them do dress it up and they lie all the time. But we as Americans now have a better sense and a clearer sense of who the Democrat communists are, what they're doing, and what they intend for the country. Versus the Republicans, who are Republicans in name only, Democrat light, whatever you want to call it, those folks, when it's election year, they will come to us, ask for money, ask for our votes, and claim that they are conservatives when they are not Claim that they care about you and your family when they don't. In fact, the exact opposite. We know that the Democrat communists all hate us. But now we've got to come to the realization, as painful as it is, that these Republican rhinos hate us as well. They hate you. I don't just mean that they disagree with you. They might have a different opinion. No, they hate you. So this gun bill, and by the way, this gun bill would have stopped neither of these mass shootings, not one, but let's do something. But doing something in this case is actually stripping away critical rights because the cornerstone of this bill are so-called nationwide red flag laws which they claim have a noble purpose that uh, crazy people, the mentally insane, the criminally insane, they should not get their hands on a gun. Well, duh. Of course, we have all kinds of laws to try to prevent that. And you know what? Nutcases, criminally insane, uh, gang members, you name it, terrorists, they get their hands on guns anyway. And a lot of states have very similar laws, and yet they're not enforced. Nobody catches these people. Remember I, I said after the first mass shooting here a couple of weeks ago, I said on this podcast, every time you see these shooters, they have the same look, crazy eyes, they look nuts. And a lot of them have a long history of mental illness, or you know, their parents c- couldn't control them, or they were in and out of juvenile delinquency, and you name it, Right but nobody wants to intervene because uh, not my problem or I don't want to get involved. And so the crazy kids or the crazy adults are, are able to go and get a gun because nobody wants to intervene or the laws are not enforced. And so then you have these big tragedies. This piece of legislation, sweeping gun control legislation, as they say, is going to institute nationwide red flag laws. Now, on the surface. Sounds good, right? Well, let's add another layer of stopgap measures to try to prevent a nut from getting a gun. Sounds good, right? Well, number one, we're dealing with human beings. So obviously nuts are going to fall through as they have been in places where this kind of stuff exists already and is not enforced. That's number one. But number two, because it's nationwide, the exact thing that they're going to use us for these red flag laws, they will be weaponized against you and me. They will be weaponized against law-abiding citizens. This is all part of the CCP-style surveillance state that I've been telling you that they are trying to slam into place. They're going to watch your Twitter feed. They're going to watch your social media. They're going to watch what you do and you say. And if they don't like it, guess what? They're coming for your guns. You think I'm exaggerating? Absolutely not. After what we've been through in the last three years with the CDC weaponized, NIH weaponized, where they weaponized a virus and then a a shot for the virus. How about weaponizing the DOJ or the FBI, weaponizing the IRS? The left has weaponized every institution in the country. You don't think that they're going to use these red flag laws to, to weaponize them against us? Of course they are. This is their backdoor way of disarming us, guys. That's the objective of the left, to install their tyranny. And the fact that 14 Senate Republicans, not one, not two idiots, but 14 voted yes to advance this bill last night, here they are. Roy Blunt, Richard Burr, Shelly Moore Capito, Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, John Cornyn of Texas, the ringmaster of this whole nightmare, John Cornyn of Texas, Joni Ernst, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman, Mitt Romney, Tom Tillis. And Todd Young. I would encourage all of you to reach out to their offices, do it in a polite way, but make your voice be heard. Let them know that you are absolutely furious with their betrayal, because that's exactly what this is. This is a betrayal. It's a betrayal of their voters, and it's a betrayal of the country. It's a betrayal of the founding fathers. It's a betrayal of the Second Amendment. 14 Republicans. You know what, guys? I'm so sick of Republicans. I really am. I mean, Elon Musk out there talking about a third party, and I always dismiss that, and it doesn't seem realistic in the moment, but I got to tell you, we are just fed up with this lack of representation. They don't give a flying wit about us. They don't care, and as I said, it's even worse than that they hate us. When one party is actively working to destroy America, you don't do bipartisanship. Bipartisanship is betrayal. And yet the Republicans, so many of them, doing it. Doing it. 14 Democrats would never in a million years join Republicans for any reason. It would just never happen. They never break ranks. Well, Monica, what about Mansion and Cinema and Bill Back Better? Okay, that's fine, but that has to do with government spending. That doesn't get to the heart of the Bill of Rights the way gun legislation does. And while I'm grateful for Mansion and Cinema, when it comes to, to big stuff like First Amendment or Second Amendment stuff, the Democrats never break ranks. On any issue of any significance, never. But these Republicans in the Senate, you know what? They're not just useless, they're Democrat controlled opposition. That's what they are. And we're living in hell as a nation right now. And these Republicans are doing business as usual with the people who are causing that hell. It's unforgivable what is this, Stockholm syndrome? These 14 Republicans is it Stockholm syndrome. It's almost like they're trying to throw the election. I have said for so many years, Republicans aren't really comfortable being in control, being in power. They like being in the minority. They're more comfortable there. Well, this is the new right that you're now dealing with, Republicans. So if you do not hold the line, And if you do not stand up for your voters, if you continue to betray them like this, we are going to primary you and we're going to send your ass packing. We are in an existential threat for the country. This is an existential war for the future of America and human freedom because we're it. And these Republicans are doing business as usual with the people who are trying to destroy the country. They're treating this like it's, you know, 1993 or something. They either don't get it or they don't care. In either case, they all need to be primaried and booted the hell out of there. I'm Monica Crowley. When we come back, I've got more wrath to inflict on the Uvalde cops, which gave rise to all of this to begin with. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. All right, so before the break, we were talking about this new gun legislation. And, you know, Senate Republicans who are going down this road, joining the Democrat communists who are trying to disarm law-abiding citizens, these Senate Republicans are undermining an almost certain red wave in November by selling all of us out on guns. And, and Cornyn, Cornyn of Texas, was caught on mic yesterday laughing about this Having a good laugh like, oh, we're sticking it to the the Republican voters on guns. Guess what's next? Immigration. What? I mean, the gun thing is bad enough, but if they're going to do any kind of amnesty or any kind of mass deal on illegal immigration, this country is going to go up in flames. I'm telling you, only a stupid party would go down this road and allow this to happen. But there's a reason why they call the Democrat communists the evil party and the Republican party the stupid party, because they really are that stupid or they are literally in bed with the Democrat communists. And I I don't know which one it is. And at this point, I don't even care because we've got a nation to save. And this is just, it's just, I, I literally could not sleep last night. My stomach was in knots over this, over the gun legislation that these rhinos are are helping the Democrat communists do, and then the conversation, well, immigration, we're going to tee that up next. What? You're heading for an historic victory, a complete annihilation of your so-called opponents, and yet you're going to step in and and snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? Is that what you're really going to do, Republicans? Oh, no. No, I am sick about this, and I know you are too, and that's why I want to give voice to it because it's just beyond belief, and all of us. Look, they wonder why Donald Trump got elected. Yes, he ran as a Republican, but he was not of them. And so, of course, they needed to destroy him. They still need to destroy him. You still got January 6th idiocy going on because he was out there actually representing us in our interests. Not theirs, not protecting each other, not destroying America hand in glove. No, he was trying to protect and advance America. He was trying to work for us. Oh, can't allow that. What an interloper. Donald Trump and his Twitter feed, what a nightmare. The Uvalde Cups. I mentioned in the first segment that the reason that we've got this gun control legislation We should call it disarmament legislation is because of the two mass shootings, including that school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Well, now we're getting reports that the police, and I think there were 19 officers who arrived on the scene after the first 911 call, they arrived within three minutes and the report was they could have taken out that gunman in the space of another, say, three minutes if they had actually done their jobs. But instead, these 19 police officers milled around for over an hour while the gunman was inside, a couple of yards away from them, really, shooting children. Again, the murder of children is a special kind of sin. It's a particular kind of sin that is the most disgusting of them all and most horrific, and these police officers who are sworn to serve and protect their communities did not go in. They milled around while they were hearing gunshots and children screaming and calls coming in to 911 and to the police, please help us. Little children crying out, my friend has just died on me. My teacher is dead, and they stood around contemplating their navel. There is much more to the story, I am sure, and I hope that we get it. I want the governor, Governor Abbott, far more engaged in the story. I want a full-fledged investigation top-down, and I want the truth. I think we all want the truth. The police are the last line of defense between us and complete chaos, which is why the left wants to defund the police and destroy them, because they need the chaos. But for the rest of us, that thin blue line is very thin. And if it goes away and collapses in any way, we have no more society. Society is hanging by a thread anyway, but you get rid of the police and it's done. Over. Kaput. That's the end. Then you've got just pure anarchy, which again is what they want, but good luck living in that situation. This particular episode with the Uvalde cops, call it cowardice, call it whatever you want, an absolute disgrace, of course, and they should all be fired on the spot, anybody responsible, from the person who gave the stand-down order to the police who just stood there. I mean, I know regular people, not trained, not law enforcement, who, knowing that children were being slaughtered in a school, would have run in guns, even without a weapon, just go in and try to save innocent life. But you've got professionals here who chose not to do that for well over an hour. If you don't want to be a police officer, then don't be a police officer. Leave it to those who will exhibit the daily heroism that the vast majority of police officers exhibit. We're not piling in these cops with all cops, obviously not. But this episode points to something much bigger, guys, and that is the breakdown of two things, the breakdown of the respect for authority and the structure built around the respect for authority and the disintegration of our institutions. I've said this before, it bears repeating, which is that the very institutions, like the corruption is in all of our institutions now, it's infected everything, but the institutions that are supposed to protect us like the police, like the military, you know, when we're talking about institutions dealing in life and death, when they're corrupted, we are completely gone because we're we're without protection. And then layer on top of that, they want to take away our guns. And they're moving. They're moving in that direction very fast, including this new legislation. So they want you disarmed, but they're also, on the other hand, Ushering in all of this chaos, violence and mayhem, and you're going to be completely defenseless. Oh no. Screw that. Screw that. We are not going there. We are not going there. And that's why this podcast exists, because I, I saw this coming down the pike, and I said, I've got to get on the airwaves all the time with this, Because we, again, are hanging by a thread. This is an existential crisis for the country in terms of institutional breakdown, in terms of just basic common decency breakdown. This is where we are in America, and we say, hell no, hell no. We fight back. Welcome to the new right. When we come back, we're going to talk to Doug Schoen about what in Sam Hill is going on in the Democratic Party. He's one of the last remaining moderate Democrats. We'll talk to him about where we are in the country and looking ahead to November and 24. But before we hit a quick break, I'd like to take a moment to welcome a great new sponsor, Field of Greens. You know, we all know that we should eat healthier, but I don't know about you guys, but I tend to grab whatever is fast and available most of the time. It's not the best stuff for me. Like candy, I am a sugar fanatic I need a sugar rush all the time. It's my only vice, so don't pick on me. But when I'm consuming that all the time and not healthier stuff, it's not great. The experts say I should be eating up to six cups of fruit and veggies a day. I can tell you that is not happening, which is why I take Field of Greens every single day. Field of Greens is packed with a full spectrum of essential vegetables and fruits, plus science-backed herbs and prebiotics, all of the things that I need to stay healthy and so do you. And I want to tell you, this stuff tastes great. I actually look forward to my glass of Field of Greens every day and it's making me feel better too with a lot more energy that lasts throughout the day. I'm not having those crashes in the middle of the day anymore. So you should join me and take Field of Greens too. And to help you get started, I got you 15% off your very first order, plus get another 10% off when you subscribe for recurring orders. So visit them, fieldofgreens.com, and use the promo code MONICA. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA, to get healthier right now. fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. Well, this is a particular point of privilege and a particular moment of joy for me to welcome my very dear friend and one of the last remaining moderate Democrats, Doug Schoen. Doug, of course, is a superstar political strategist and pollster. He is the author of countless books. He's one of the most prolific writers out there. You should have all of his books. But his latest one really grabbed me. It's called America unite or die how to save our democracy and doug joins me now doug welcome
0: thank you monica i'm pleased to be here
1: well it's always nice to talk to you and you are one of the most brilliant uh, political minds out there and one of the most insightful so i'm really happy to have you here to help us break a lot of this apart um We are going to get to the subject of your latest book, which is uh, getting the country back together because it's so fractured right now. But before we do, I want to get your read on where we are. You are a lifelong Democrat. You helped to elect Bill Clinton back in 1992. But today's Democratic Party is no longer the centrist party of Bill Clinton, It's now a party, essentially, of Marxist revolutionaries, or at the very least, those are the ones who are controlling the party. So where does that leave someone like you? And and you're very visible, of course, but there are millions of centrist Democrats who feel completely disenfranchised from the Democratic Party and from political life in general.
0: I feel left out, Monica. I feel with my dwindling band of moderate friends, like the party has left us. Um, I'm not sure those on the left are all Marxists, but they're sure not mainstream free market capitalists of the type that people like John F. Kennedy uh, were, Scoop Jackson, Bill Clinton. Um, There was a whole wing of the Democratic Party through the South and Midwest that had a predominant, indeed dominant position in our country, and that has largely if not totally gone away. And it leaves us exactly where you describe, Monica, fractured, divided, and bitterly at odds with one another.
1: And you know, Doug, there are so many people who, like you, feel politically homeless. So you've spent your entire life being a Democrat, feeling relatively at home in the Democratic Party, more so, say, than the Republican Party. There've got to be millions of like you, who I I know you didn't vote for Trump in 2016 or 2020, but a lot of disaffected Democrats did do that. They they crossed party lines because Trump was speaking to their economic insecurities in particular. He was talking about trade, he was talking about tax cuts and regulatory relief and man, bringing manufacturing back to the US. All of these critical issues that got the attention of a lot of normal Democrats in the country who said, "Yeah, you know, this sounds really good and the Democrats have not done any of that for me, at least not in the last 20 to 30 years." So the the Democrats have really become the party of the coastal elites, but even more so, I think it is more of a revolutionary party that really can't relate or doesn't care to relate to basic American voters.
0: I mean, I think that is exactly right. Um, I see a Democratic Party that stands for redistribution of wealth, uh, a obsession to civil rights And look, I'm for civil rights. I know, of course, you are too, Monica. Most decent people are. But a sense that if a law is changed on voting, uh, access to voting, somehow it's bringing back Jim Crow, which clearly the recently concluded Georgia primary showed was not the case. There was an increase, not diminution in turnout, given the Georgia legislative uh, agenda on voting. And a clear sense that we should speak loudly and carry a weak stick rather than the opposite.
1: It's really quite unbelievable what we're witnessing here. And there doesn't seem to be, at least on the part of Joe Biden and the people around him, any sense of caring about this realignment that we're we're witnessing that's leaving the Democrats on the short end of the stick. I mean, we're seeing Democrat core constituencies like blacks, Latinos, women, Uh, younger voters, they're all turning away from the Democratic Party in droves. Is there, I, I know you're still plugged into a lot of Democrats and Democratic leadership and so on, Doug. Is there any sense of panic in the Democratic leadership over this? Do they realize what's happening or do they just not care?
0: I think half realize and feel powerless and the other half feels improbably and incredibly, Monica that the only way to beat the Republicans is go further left to create what they call a more clear and dramatic contrast. Now, very few, if any, are saying we need to take the Democrats in the opposite direction towards the Republicans. And indeed, what we were able to do with Bill Clinton in the 90s is almost off the table today, even though the chief of staff, Ron Klein, was an integral part of the team. That accomplished that repositioning.
1: It's really amazing because every once in a while, Doug, you'll hear someone like James Carville, who and you you were right there in 1992 um, on that presidential election, um, on, on that campaign. You'll hear someone like Carville say. They're going way too far out there. They're starting to sound crazy. Um, Van Jones, starting to sound crazy. They've always been crazy. Van Jones uh, was on CNN just this week saying, look, you guys are talking to Latino voters saying, call us Latinx. He's like, Latino voters don't know what the heck that means and they don't care about what that means. They care about cheap gas and cheap groceries and they're getting neither under you guys. And even Hillary Clinton um, over the last week or so has made similar comments like don't get don't get hijacked by these niche kind of issues and and conversations. None of these people are being listened to because all of the energy and activism are on the far left.
0: That's exactly right. And um, a couple of the people you alluded to, Van Jones, uh, James Carville, were people back in the day, And even more recently, we're seen as being on the left themselves. And now the party has moved so far uh, to the extreme that uh, Van Jones and Carville are seen as voices of reason rather than advocates for a left progressivism, which is what was their identity uh, initially.
1: Yeah. You know, I think about Bill Maher as well, because Maher recently on his shows. Yeah. And he's saying look, I I haven't left the left. The left has left me and gone completely insane. And if we wanted to get, uh, you know, a basic progressive agenda through, we're having an even more difficult time doing that because they've all gone mentally ill.
0: Well, they they sure have. And one of the issues we haven't talked about, Monica, that bears mention is the whole notion of defend the uh, police, defund the police, not defend the police, sorry, uh, or or this uh, cashless bail. I mean, who would have ever thought that the Democrats, my party, would say we don't need bail, we don't need to charge a lot of nonviolent misdemeanors, and we don't need to fund the police departments. Goodness gracious.
1: It's really unbelievable. And I was on Maria Bartiromo's show this morning, and she was talking about these these far-left radical DAs like Alvin Bragg here in New York, George Gascon in L.A., and Chesa Bodine, who just got thrown out on his butt in San Francisco, San Francisco of all places. And I was raising the point, Doug, that when you look at the history of communist regimes, and you know this very well— Uh, One of the first things they do and what they continue to do is let violent criminals back out on the street. It's a turnstile. And the reason they do that is because they need the chaos. They need the mayhem in order to slam through their radical agenda and remake the country. That's what I really think is going on here.
0: Well, let, let me put it to you this way. I think in New York, there was a policy that, uh, did bring down crime. It was called stop and frisk. Um, the left argued it went too far, uh, I think without a lot of evidence, but uh, uh, their their simple argument was the bulk of the stops are minorities, thus makes uh, stop and frisk I- I- ipso facto racist. Based on that, there was a swing in New York as a trend and pace setter Away from uh, strong law enforcement, both funding, uh, charging, and um, restricting access with items like bail. And the reaction across the country, as you point out so ably, Monica, has been extreme, putting the fabric of our democracy at risk, which began, I think, in uh, May of 2020 after the tragic George Floyd case, which Did result in police convictions. I think we're all glad about that. But it also uh, resulted in rioting that was completely unnecessary, pointless, and um, was designed to provoke uh, exactly the chaos that you described.
1: Yes. And very few people held accountable but we've got nonviolent January 6th protesters languishing in prison without due process for 18 months. This is the kind of dual system, uh, two-tiered justice system. Justice is not blind. This is the kind of thing that is tearing the very fabric of the country apart Doug, it's giving rise to people like like Donald Trump who, you know, railed against the two-tier justice system. You got people like Hillary Clinton and Michael Sussman skating, but you got, you know, some Indiana grandma who entered the Capitol on January 6th and she's been rotting in prison uh, without trial. You cannot, you cannot go on like this. I mean, a a healthy republic can't do this. Never mind a sick republic. We cannot go on like this.
0: Well, we... As we do, Monica, differ on many specifics. But what we don't differ on is the fact that for our nation, as I write in my book, Unite or Die, to thrive, we need to come to consensus and not relitigate the past, but look with um, uh, inclusive and uh, consensus building solutions to a better future on things like immigration, policing the economy, job training, education, and there's none of that, just none of that. I mean, there was a modest agreement on guns that uh, may or may not go through that was bipartisan, but it's one of the few, if only real examples of honest-to-goodness bipartisanship in recent memory.
1: Yeah, and I just railed on it earlier in the show today, Doug, so we probably I'm disagree sure would, with, about but at that. At least
0: It represented a good faith effort by both parties. You can say you're against it, you can say you're for it, but at least it represented the best impulses of our democracy as opposed to people who just want to attack one another.
1: Well, we're certainly in a very dangerous moment in the country, that is for sure. And this part of the conversation brings us to your latest book, which is called America, Unite or Die. And that's a big ask Doug, given how deep the divisions are in this country, can it be done? You know, the subtitle, unite or die, can we unite? I mean, the, the, the polarization is so extreme now. Uh, you've got the radical left at war with the very foundations of the country. It, it doesn't seem like there's any kind of compromise or uniting to be had.
0: Well, I, I think precisely because there is no uniting to be had that's obvious, We have wars like the one we had uh, or have been dealing with in Ukraine, where Vladimir Putin saw weakness in the United States. I think the Chinese see similar weakness uh, in Asia vis-a-vis Taiwan. And we have no uh, efforts other than the one I briefly mentioned on guns to try to promote and provoke consensus domestically. And each side has their narrative, which has some truth and a lot of falsehood. And that ultimately means we will weaken as a nation, whether you're uh, moderate, liberal or conservative. But there is no voice uh, of reason out there, at least not that I hear, to try to bring the country together in a constructive Concerted
1: way. What are the prescriptions that you lay out in this book, America, Unite or Die? What are, what are some paths what, that what, we can what, take to do that?
0: What we say here is on law enforcement, on criminal justice, on immigration, on uh, abortion, uh, on spending, uh, and on foreign policy, we need to seek to find a basis to go forward where we can get 50 to 60 percent of the American people and our leadership behind policies that may or may not enjoy widespread support, but can build a consensus that keeps our nation strong, as we did during, as you kindly noted, the time I was working with Bill Clinton, and as we've done in other times in our history. It used to be uh, and, and also, as uh, your former boss Richard Nixon did so ably uh, in the 60s and 70s, and uh, he governed in a way that uh, I was very comfortable with other than Watergate. And if you look at his policies and look at the policies of moderate Republicans and moderate Democrats, we were able to achieve a great deal when people of goodwill got together.
1: Well, you are a natural optimist, Doug, which is one of the many reasons you're my good friend. Um, And I love the argument that you lay out in this book and and also raising the alarm uh, because, you know, it's unite or die. And I think we can only unite or we are going to die as a nation. And that alternative is just a complete tearing apart and destruction of the country, which we must not allow to happen. So I thank you for writing this book. It's called America, Unite or Die. Everybody, please go get it. Doug is one of the smartest guys out there and just very, very insightful. So you will not be able to put this book down.
0: And if I add, add one thought, it's that everyone listening and hearing about Monica's podcast should listen to her as frequently as possible. Because one of my both great joys and endless frustrations is that she brings such compelling, congenial, and powerful arguments to bear in support of her positions. She has been a debating colleague and most of all a friend for as many years as I can remember, bringing great joy and happiness, and and I dare say, knowledge and awareness and interest to the greater consuming public. So Monica, I return the compliment and ask your listeners to do the right thing and make sure that wherever you are, whether it be on Fox, on your podcast or elsewhere, that they turn the dial, turn the podcast on to listen to you opine uh, on the great matters of state and domestic and foreign policy that you so ably discussed.
1: Very, very kind of you, Doug. Wow. We're going to have to, uh, I'm going to get my producer to cut that clip, and <laughs> we're going to enshrine I, I, that. Absolutely.
0: And if you get it to me, I'll distribute it as widely <laughs> as I can in my network.
1: You're very, very kind, Doug, and you are my dear friend, and I thank you so much for those thank lovely, so lovely much, words and all of your support. And thank you for being here. And Doug, we will check in with you as we get closer to the midterms, because I want to get your read on that. Too. Doug Schoen.
0: Happily come back.
1: Absolutely. Doug Schoen, the book is called America Unite or Die How to Save Our Democracy. Doug Schoen, thanks so much. Well, how about today's show, huh? Big, big show, as usual. Well, on Monday, we had Bill O'Reilly on the podcast, and it was a sensational interview. A few weeks before that, I had guest hosted for him on his show, and I got a few emails from you guys about that. So let's dip into the email bag, shall we? Keith in Fort Worth writes... Hi, Monica. I just heard you on the Bill O'Reilly podcast and downloaded your latest. It was fantastic. And I love your no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is reporting. I will be listening to you Monday, Wednesday, Friday. From now on, bravo to you. Thank you so much, Keith. I am thrilled that you're enjoying this podcast. Thank you so much for coming along on the ride. And Lelia writes, Monica, you did a fantastic job covering for Bill O'Reilly. Thought you should know. Well, thank you so much, Lilia. I hope you uh, heard him with me on this podcast on Monday, because that was also a fantastic interview. John in Vermontville, New York writes, Monica, just saw you on the O'Reilly podcast and decided to check out one of yours. Great job. Continue to call out those rhinos. Well, thank you very much for the very nice note, John. Always uh, happy to have you as a listener. As for calling out the rhinos, I hope you heard today's podcast where I just flamed all of them on this gun legislation and, and other things. I mean, you always have my word that I will do that. I will flame the rhinos. As I've often said, they are worse than the Democrat communists because at least you know where you stand with them. The Democrat communists tell you who they are. They stick to their guns. They never waver. Rhinos don't do any of that. And they pretend to be conservatives interested in limited government. But once in office, they get seduced by the swamp. And that's the end of the story. But no more. We are not allowing that to happen anymore. We are the new right. The new right fights back. We are unafraid, and we hold the Democrat, Communists, and the rhinos equally to account for the damage that they are inflicting on this great country. You have my word. Thank you very much, John. Well, I appreciate all of you and your great emails. Keep them coming to me at monicacrowleypodcast at gmail.com, Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. I also appreciate all of your support of our terrific sponsors. They are incredible companies and I'm grateful that you check them out. Okay, that does it for me today. We take up the battle again on Friday. See you then.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time.